0: Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Shai. How are you this morning? Doing great, man. I'm really excited about our episode today.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The topic is really universal and one that comes up all the time with our clients. Yeah, and of course, we're
0: going to be talking about accessing capital, the different forms of capital that are out there, and most importantly, getting some insight into how business owners can get that loan they
1: need coming into 2016. It's a big challenge. I know many of my clients are always looking at how do they get more capital to grow. It's one of the largest throttles to their growth and continuous expansion. Have you
0: had any situations like that? You know, I actually have a client right now uh, who's struggling with this, and they've been in business uh, about four years now. They have a solid business model about 1.5 million in top line revenue. They're growing their employee base and what this owner is struggling with is that she has to make some choices about equipment and has a little bit of an imperfect credit history herself and although her business has been established for a few years, you know, we're finding more and more that traditional lending, forget it, a lot of these banks just don't want to make these kinds of loans.
1: It's very true. The traditional banks today are declining applications at the rate of 80%. And that's out of the Alternative Lending Guide by uh, Small Business Administration. So other vehicles and other channels become very important to them. And we're starting to see some of those glimmers uh, in Alternative Lending that is taking place. Yeah and the, and the real struggle like for this woman in particular
0: she's not looking to finance a long-term debt right so she's not looking for that half a million dollar loan that million dollar loan uh to make you know significant improvements or acquire another entity we're talking about you know loans in the 50 to 100,000 range where it's not something you want to extend on traditional credit card debt but it is relatively short-term capital and you know, so those vehicles just haven't existed. But you know, we are seeing an emerging market in technology-enabled lending, and these are the websites that are sprouting up that have developed uh, really out of necessity. And that's why I'm so excited about our guest today. John Lane is joining us. He is one of the original founding board members of Congressional Bank, and he's been instrumental in the growth of the organization. He actually served as the first president and chief executive officer of Congressional from 2003 to 2013, and he continues to serve on the board as vice chairman. John has been a favorite guest lecturer for the classes that I teach at Georgetown. He is from Texas and a former Aggie, having graduated from Texas A&M. And he is an expert in the area of strategic banking and small business lending. John, we're excited to have you here today. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for uh, having me with you today. Hey, John, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and tell us about what kind of trends you're seeing in the banking industry today that small business owners uh, need
2: to be aware of. I am a founder of Congressional Bank, a community bank located in Bethesda, Maryland. We originated in October of 2003. And since that time, this industry has changed dramatically. I guess one of the highlights is the financial crisis in 2007 and 2008. Uh, when we started our bank, I think we had the agenda that we would create the bank, grow it to 250 to $500 million, and then sell it. That seemed to be the trend in the past. Uh, you could sell it for a multiple book. 2007 and eight changed that model so that bank stocks were not attractive. And many money managers and funds exited the investments in, in banks. The values plummeted. Since then, we had to think about how do we change the paradigm of community banking, and that was my job. So we started thinking about it. We thought about adding intellectual capital to our focus. And since then, many other people are doing the same thing, which brings us to technology-enabled lending, which is probably one of the largest changes I've seen in this industry. John, what do you mean by
0: uh, intellectual capital as it relates to banking?
2: As it relates to banking, in 2007 and seven and eight, we didn't have any troubled assets, so I was listening to many of my peers who were working through problem loans. One of the common themes seemed to be that community banks were – Victims of this financial crisis, and they were talking about the difference between the big banks and little banks. And my observation was is that the big banks recovered much quicker than the small banks. And as I started thinking about why that would occur, it was more than just capital, it was more or less uh, the intellectual capital they had. So they had access to very talented people, they focused on recruiting intellectual capital, knowing that the markets would provide monetary capital. That intellectual capital looked like solutions to whatever was occurring in the financial crises. And so what the larger banks did was they found uh, other ways to divest and create other verticals to generate revenue. And the revenue is what cured their decline, their losses, They produce a lot of revenue, and that's how they recovered from all the losses they had. And they recovered much quicker than the small banks because that intellectual capital found solutions where the monetary capital sometimes just buys you time or buys you options. So it turns out if you invest in good people, you get
0: a return on that investment.
2: Yes, it turns out that if you invest in intellectual capital to try to get the smartest people you can get, and then... Try to put that in an environment where you can ask questions and start determining how someone may do things. The intellectual capital finds the ways to cure the problems. The monetary capital, as I said, just seems to buy you time. And so would you say that one of the verticals that
0: emerged then was technology lending or the beginnings of technology lending?
2: Yes. As the banks sat back and became very reluctant to lend, there still was a market out for lending. And a lot of that lending was being done to small businesses, particularly in the world of renovations, development of houses, buying and selling property. That lending was being done by what's called alternative lenders. Some people call them hard money lenders. Technology or the intellect that was available at that time allowed them to focus on the technology it would take to be able to create models that could quickly and very accurately accept applications online and use that technology to provide loans to borrowers that banks were not providing because banks were spending their time recovering and banks were reluctant to lend. The intellectual capital said there must be another way to make money and there must be a way to take advantage of this ready market there. Hence, the technology or crowdfunding came about. Maybe Lending Club was one of the first ones you heard about with crowdfunding.
0: Sure. So it was born out of a necessity because the traditional ways of accessing capital basically dried up.
2: It was probably born out of opportunity because most of finance is driven by greed. So the people that saw opportunity invested the money to develop the technology to be able to provide loans that are not being provided by banks. The difference is, is that the technology today is much better than it was years ago. And it probably provides a loan, not only at a higher quality and a better comfort level than banks can do themselves, but it allows a conduit for those borrowers to access loans without having to come to the bank. And they already have a concept that they can't get a loan from a bank. So, The uh, access to technology allows them an option. John, from a banker's point of view, what
0: are the challenges in traditional lending for banks for a small business owner?
2: Well, I would think that one of the largest challenges that we have for small business lending is accessing those borrowers in a very efficient manner so that we could provide enough volume to make that a profitable piece of business. The technology brings with it the efficiency that these loans can be applied for, approved, and documented 24 hours a day without someone coming to a branch. The technology also allows you to be able to access a larger market. So geographically, people could access a loan through technology much easier and quicker because it's available where a bank could be you know, many miles away. And it's also banks only open a certain amount of hours a day and a certain amount of days a week, right? That's right. And the internet's open twenty four seven. It's twenty four seven, and you don't have to get dressed to access it.
0: <laughs> awesome. So this may usher in a new trend of uh, naked lending as well. So, <laughs> which which might be a model in and it of itself. Who knows if you get the right uh, participants. So. Uh, So what are the implications? Uh, Let's talk about the way a business owner may actually access this marketplace.
2: I think a business owner is going to be a little bit reluctant in the very beginning in the area of trust, that they can trust who they're dealing with on the other end of the line. But once they get past that, any search engine can be used to find a list of technology-enabled lenders. Some of these technology-enabled lenders, well, all of them. They have their expertise, right? Their, their spaces they operate in, whether it be merchant processing or whether it be a small loan for 25000 or a larger loan for a million or whether it be account receivable financing. Each one of those has some nuance to them. So the relevance, I think, is finding the one that really focuses very well particular piece of business or the loan type that you need.
0: So what advice would you have for the borrower then?
2: The challenge for entrepreneurs is that we come to the table with our assumptions, and most of our assumptions are about how we operate our business or deliver our product. It's not really about how I might borrow or leverage my company or raise capital. And so what we come to the table with are assumptions of what we think is what an ideal loan looks like for me. What they're going to get with technology-enabled lending is you're going to get an answer quickly, and you're going to get a loan What you're not going to get is any advice. So you still need to do your homework and you're on your own. It's the wild west as far as getting credit. Almost anyone can get credit. I mean, they have spaces for the best credit and the worst credit. You're just not going to get advice.
0: The people that are financing these loans now via the technology lending, how are they understanding you know, who this person is versus how they might and what their business is about versus how
2: they would do it traditionally? A bank depends on a relationship. Technology-enabled lenders depend on information. Through the internet and through multiple sources of internet providers, these technology-enabled lenders are able to scrape large amounts of data. And extrapolating that data in large amounts, provides them a large enough population that statistically, with a great deal of confidence, they can project the behavior of this population. That behavior allows them to access the market, and the market only wants to know what yield am I going to get off of this particular paper I'm buying. And so the market doesn't really care if it's a 10% loss, if that 10% loss still yields them the satisfactory return that they want for buying this paper. You know, the Internet allows them to serve a market that's larger than our neighborhood, for example. So it allows them to access a greater number of people to make applications from. And so the more they apply, the more data they collect, the more access to data they have, more confidence they have in what they're putting out. From there, they can price that loan very, very precisely. They're very, very good about doing this in real time. So people ask me, well, why do people go to technology-enabled lending sources to get a loan when the interest rate may be 15%, 18 20%? Mm-hmm. I said the reason they go is because they can. And having the best price loan or even the best structured loan is not the primary focus or primary objective of most of these borrowers. Remembering the primary objective is to get a loan
0: you know, when you talk about a rate like 15%, you know, it's high relative to what, I guess, right? Relative to not getting a loan, perhaps it's very reasonable. But what other biases and anchors do we have in our lives that maybe we have to get over and adjust our mindset? I mean, how would you recommend that a business owner approach this new technology in a way to achieve the objectives? And how can they feel good about the rates that they might pay when they're going to be really diverse depending on their information?
2: Well, I I would say you should feel good about it because most of the rates that you get are cheaper than what you'd get from a family loan. So if we went to Uncle Billy, Uncle Billy always finances our business and he tells us, let's not put the money up and we'll split the profit. So whatever you're getting from technology enabled lending, the rate is cheaper than 50%, right? And so in that case, this is really a very good conduit for people who, do not want a relationship. Their business is not to a place to where they can really access a relationship. Their time frame is short. They have very limited resources themselves to to go to bank or to prepare models or prepare business plans. Most of this debt is driven by tax returns based on revenue, based on a personal credit score. Most all of them require you to personally guarantee it. I still always coach people that when you're in business, you need to find a banker, a lawyer, and an accountant that you can call by your first name so that you can visit with, and they'll tell you things you didn't ask. But it may not be your first priority day one, or if you're in a struggling business, maybe you feel like you know, you're know you behind on your debt, maybe you just need to access some cash. Maybe the relationship's not really available at that time, you think. But at some point, You should make it a priority because if you're successful, this type of lending is not your end all. It's just something for today. And it's very good for today, whatever today is, but it's not your end all.
0: So given the options of Uncle Billy or a VC who's going to take most of your business or a short-term high-interest credit card, this can be a very effective way to get capital fast and meet your near term objectives, whether that be business growth or to pay down some other debt.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, almost every alternative we have is worth studying, and it's studying it today or studying it continuously in our business. So while it may be a very good alternative today, you know, we should study our options. And I always tell my clients, Try to find three choices. So alternative lending may be a choice, talking to a venture capitalist to sell them a piece of your company, visiting with an alternative lender like a family relative or credit card. Those are all choices, and you're just weighing those choices. At some point in time, though, if you plan on being successful – then you need to make success part of your plan. And success being part of your plan means you need to develop a very strong team. And that team needs to include a banker, an accountant, and a lawyer that will tell you things you did not ask. That's great advice, John.
0: In summary, can you tell us where you see this going? I mean, what do you see the next evolution of technology lending? And what does the future look like for banking for small business owners over the next five years?
2: I see that right now we're in a place where this is such a robust market. There are so many of these technology-enabled lenders hitting the streets. It's very, very competitive. Over time, the yields are going to come down. So there's only a certain size market. We're going to be competing for it. It's tried and tested, so there's going to be a market to buy the paper. And it's going to be very good paper. It won't be as good as mortgage-backed security paper, but it'd be a very good alternative. And with interest rates as low as they are, there'll be a lot of supply for cash to buy a lot of paper. And the only way you're going to be able to convince other people to come into this market is to lower the rates. So I see the rates coming down over a period of time, but I do not see this going away. My daughter, who's a junior at Texas A&M, if she graduates and goes into business, Her first thought would never be to go to a bank for a loan. Her first thought would be to go to some technology-enabled lender. So that generation is being brought up to access the Internet for almost all their needs. So I see that continuing.
0: John, how do you see the future of technology-enabled loans for traditional banking?
2: I do see now with this tried and tested, we get further away from 2007 and 8, and we run out of excuses for not doing it. I do see banks starting to enter this field, developing their own technology or buying their technology and accessing small business loans through technology. Because if we don't, we won't be doing these small loans. The rates will come down, their skill sets will improve, the psychology of how you access these small business loans. We're not training any new people to actually underwrite by hand like I was. So the banks will get in that business as well.
0: So John, what would be the first step for a business owner that would like to access technology lending?
2: So what you want to do is then is look at maybe find yourself three choices of those lenders that provide the debt that you believe you want, structured like you believe you want it. And then from there decide which of those three go to Better Business Bureau or whatever it may be, Yelp or whatever, and Or call someone like me, you know, or contact somebody else and ask them what's been your experience with this one, this one, or this one. Most of all, these are very, very legitimate. So it's all above board, but, you know, you are going to give them access to your data, and most of that's very, very legitimate, but... The other lender or any other lenders you apply with will know that you have applied there. They're going to pull a credit bureau report. They're going to look at your bank records. They're going to have access to your tax returns, so on and so forth. So do a little research. Pull up three of them. Decide which three. Decide why you're choosing which one of those three. And then contact them.
0: So we're talking about sites like DealStruck,
2: Funding Circle, FastPay. QuarterSpot, OwnOn. I mean, you can hit Google and hit technology-enabled lenders. And you'll come up with a host of them. I like to go somewhere like Fortune Magazine, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, and you'll find those that have had positive reviews. You'll find those that maybe are access capital. Those that are are publicly traded or accessing capital have proven themselves longer than someone who's still trying to raise capital. So you'd want to try to find out where on the runway are they? Have they just started up? You know, research them. Have they funded forty million in the state. Have they funded a billion in the states?
1: When they're going for one of these loans, what's the range of loan value that they might
2: expect? Well, they range from twenty thousand dollars to a million. Uh, most of these are not real estate secured. Most of these are small business cash flow type of loans that require personal guarantees. Most of these borrowers are borrowers with anywhere from 100000 to $2 million annual revenue. Some of them are greater than that. I would say probably the medium you think you look about is 100000 to 500000 It's hard to get a $100,000 loan from a bank. It's particularly hard to get a $50,000 loan from a bank.
0: And that's just because for a bank standpoint, there's just not enough return on that loan?
2: Well, it's that, but it's also that we don't do a good job of pricing them. If we would charge clients 12 or 14 or 15%, which is some kind of yield on $50,000, we probably would do it. But we've been conditioned over time to focus on things like prime, prime plus one, prime plus two. So at three, four, and 5%, if you take $50,000 and you put 5% on it, $2,500 for a year. It's just not worth it for the market. It may cost $1,000 per loan to market for a loan. You're left with $1,500. You got to put 1% aside for loan loss reserves. You got to pay a loan officer. You got to document it and so on and so forth. So, at that interest rate, it just doesn't create enough return. And banks and bankers just are not skilled or trained to price the credit for the return that makes that product attractable. But these technology-enabled lenders, you see, they have no relationship, so they're not ashamed. It's all data-driven, right? So they'll tell you 15%. They're not crawling under their desk hiding from you thinking you're going to hit them for telling them that, rate. They they just think you're going to hang up. Well, and you know, on the other side of that table, there is a bias in
0: the business owner that's looking for that loan, right? And because we're used to things that we know, right? We know mortgage rates, they're real easy to access mortgage rates. Right. Uh, we know LIBOR. We know Prime Plus Percent. And so shifting our mindset to what you talked about is your objective is to get this loan to grow your business. If you're a person that is anchored in some of these other places, you really have to get over that idea. So for instance, you a know, business owner that has a background in accounting or even in finance, might be really tied to this notion of oh, I would never pay more than X percent for any kind of capital, and I that agree with and that bias may actually prevent them from getting the thing that they need that could really propel their business forward.
2: Three percent is a good rate on zero money. You're not getting the money, so <laughs> 15 percent is a good rate on money you get. So you right, they have to graduate to a place to understand reality. And that is, is that it's all about growing your company, accessing capital in the most efficient way. And time is money. So if I get the loan today, rather than having to beg for it for 30 days, and I have to roll dice to see if I'm even going to get it, I can get the loan today and I can move on to the next thing I need to do.
0: And the quicker we can move on, the more we can focus on getting things done. We want to thank our guest today, John Lane of Congressional Bank. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. You can learn more about Johnny on our website at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback.